Hello, and welcome to our sixth episode of Talk Concord. And this is our first 2019 episode. This is a City of Concord, um, New Hampshire podcast. This monthly podcast brings you information about current and future happenings centered on why it's a great place to live, work, play, and invest. I'm Stephanie Breton, Public Information Officer, and today I'm joined by Aaron McIntyre, Deputy Chief at the Concord Fire Department. So welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much for being here with me today Thank in the uh, Concord TV podcast studio. So we have you here today to talk about a topic I think we hear a lot about, which is uh, the opioid epidemic. But I think you have some good news to share on this uh, topic and kind of some of the stuff going on in the community. So I know you've been doing a lot of good work and um, along with, you know, the Concord Police Department and some other community organizations. Um, I think you can really shed some positive light about things going on in Concord um, and how you know, you're kind of making some impact in the community. So first, um, should we give everybody a little bit of background information, kind of what the problem looks like and maybe how we got here a little bit? Do you want to speak to that? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah so we've, uh, in New Hampshire, we're one of three states that are at the top of the list uh, in dealing with the opioid crisis uh, and substance abuse problem. Uh, it's been a steadily increasing problem uh, with a, a struggling to get resources into our community, into our area, mm-hmm. um, kind of watching the models around what's going around in other states and making New Hampshire very unique. Uh, whereas New Hampshire by size is oftentimes the same size as some of the larger cities around the country. Mm-hmm. We've got the opportunity to implement statewide programs where a lot of places really struggle to do that. So uh, a lot of good things coming out kind of at the state level and then particularly trickle down to us here in the city level in the city of Concord. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of years back, around 2015, um, we had almost 400 people in New Hampshire that had died as a result of drug overdose, um, two and a half times more than uh, in 2011. And the majority of those overdoses relate right back to opioids. Mm-hmm. And opioids is kind of a generic term. Uh, we look, Oftentimes people think of heroin or illegal street drugs, but opioids can also be the prescription medications that uh, we get from our, our own healthcare provider. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of reasons as to why there's such a, an increase in that prescription medication overuse or misuse. Um, but at the end of the day, we see a lot of those drugs kind of impacting people that can either lead to prescription medication overuse or illegal drugs, heroin, fentanyl, street use. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one thing they all have in common, they're extremely addictive and very, very highly addictive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in New Hampshire and certainly across the United States, there is an opioid addiction crisis. Uh, again, we see the heroin, the fentanyl, and other prescription drugs. Uh, in New Hampshire, we kind of fluctuate between number two and number three in the country uh, with the worst opioid wow. addiction problem. Yeah, so for such a small state, that's really kind of a staggering Very high statistic. numbers. Yes, not one we want to be on the top of the list for. No, there's things we want to be known for, and this really isn't one of them, but that's why we're here to talk about some of the things we're doing. So um, you just touched on, you know, some how people end up here. And um, like you said, it's not just street drugs. Sometimes it's actually prescription drugs. So have you seen some of those cases kind of firsthand from your work at the department? We do. We see a number of stories, uh, and every story and every person we run across has kind of a different intro into opioid use. Uh, some of the stories come from uh, a, an injury, an orthopedic injury, that they were prescribed painkillers to get them through that process, and maybe they were prescribed more than they needed. Um, 
and that was their early introduction into opioid. And it was a very legitimate reason, but was carried on to the point of uh, abuse or addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes it's other, uh, unfortunately we see a lot of um, school-aged kids that this is mm-hmm. kind of their first intro into medicine. Mm-hmm. It's easy, it's accessible, it's in mom and dad's medicine cabinet. Uh, it's a very easy medication to get their hands on uh, and that kind of starts them into the process. So I, I think we bring this up just to kind of make the point that it's you, it's me, it's anyone. Everybody, it's not absolutely. just, you know, a stereotypical person. So I think it's kind of a broad topic just to be aware absolutely. of how absolutely. kind of prevalent and maybe easy, you know, yep. this problem is to get yep. involved with. So um, can you talk a little bit about how the opioid epidemic has affected your jobs uh, at the Concord Fire Department and maybe, you know, broader as EMTs and paramedics, some of the the ways you've had to kind of change how you do things? Yep. Uh, so we typically, the, the 911 calls that we receive uh, for our substance abuse, alcohol abuse, and even mental health crisis have dramatically increased over the past five years. We've watched kind of the steady trend along with everybody else. Uh, but those particular, those three, all kind of go hand in hand. We find a lot of people who have coexisting substance abuse problems and mental health crisis. And a lot of those tie in together. Uh, as our calls for service uh, dramatically go up, uh, the number of overdoses that we're responding on, the number of uh, medical emergencies because of the substance abuse use that we go on has, has dramatically increased over the past few years. Uh, our first responders are challenged with two things, the immediate medical crisis or the life-threatening intervention, a patient who's not breathing because of an over- overdose, uh, somebody who's gone into cardiac arrest because of an overdose, or somebody who uh, maybe it's not an opioid, but any other type of substance abuse that has kind of given them an altered mental status that makes them very challenging to to work with in an emergency crisis. So if if we can alleviate the immediate medical emergency to a lot of these patients, uh, you know, say we revive somebody with Narcan and we've kind of stabilized them medically, the question is, is what to do with them now? Um, that's a patient who is, uh, once we kind of use the Narcan and we get it into the system and we've eliminated all the opioid problem, uh, that person's right back to their baseline. Mm-hmm. We need to transport them somewhere, but an emergency room is not the most appropriate place. Right. Uh, oftentimes when we have to turn these patients kind of loose or we don't really have anywhere to send them, they fall right back into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, then maybe then the Concord Police Department's involved, uh, so they uh, might see some re- repeat. Lots of repeats. And, and yeah. we as well have a number of repeat patients that we see multiple times, that we've revived multiple times, mm-hmm. but we just can't get them into that next phase of breaking the cycle. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of really where you were at in recent time. It is, yep. Mm-hmm. And that's where we see a big change in our role for the fire department and a role that we can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always just kind of been an intermediate step in assessing the patients, treating the patients, fixing the immediate life-threatening ability, and then kind of handing them over to whatever services available or maybe not handing them over to anybody at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new program that we're looking to implement in the state, particularly here in Concord, uh, it's a program that's going to allow us to keep touch with those patients, follow them throughout their treatment prog- progress and process, and immediately connect them with services. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of maybe a little bit of the downer part of the story. So maybe we should get to the good news, which is. is what you just touched on, which is the grant. Um, so this is the New Hampshire Project First grant, right? Yep. So it's it first responders initiating recovery support and treatment. So that's what the first stands yes. for, yep. right? Um, 
So do you want to touch on a little bit um, kind of what this is about? Uh, so uh, a couple of years ago, there was some some talk about getting grant money into the state of New Hampshire. Uh, mm-hmm. They have received as a state a, a number of grants that have come in in various roles. Uh, the one that's hit the headlines most predominantly lately, Governor Sununu's Hub and Spoke program that's being, or that was uh, unveiled kind of the first of the year with mm-hmm. nine treatment centers around the state opening up, 24-7 access points in partnership with hospitals. That model is very similar on a statewide level to the model that we were working on here in the capital area. Mm-hmm. So in the background, we were building this program in kind of a hub-and-spoke model with Concord Hospital and Riverbend and Concord mm-hmm. Police, Concord Fire, all of our community partners who manage substance abuse use disorder. And then in the integration of the hub-and-spoke, it actually works really seamlessly with this. Mm-hmm. So part of that additional funding goes to some of the supporting agencies, not necessarily the hospital or the community mental health agencies, but the supporting agencies, and that's where Concord Fire is. Mm-hmm. So Project First is a, a, a grant through uh, the Department of Safety, uh, which we, through the Bureau of EMS of New Hampshire, we were able to apply and we've made it through our initial phases of uh, approval and funding for this. This grant is uh, targeted to help us reduce the number of opioid deaths, uh, reach out to the number of at-risk individuals and assist them with the road to recovery by linking them with community partners and services. And doing that by getting out and educating uh, impacted individuals, their families, their support systems, uh, training them in CPR or rescue breathing, training them in Narcan administration, and generally navigating them to those community support services and following up with them. Mm-hmm. Which, which is kind of that piece that you really have wanted to do. Absolutely. But have a maybe big been missing, missing link. And so I know you talked to MUR recently and um, some of the other news outlets about this uh, because of some of the presentations at the recent city council meetings. So there's a lot of um, good uh, media around this issue and kind of getting the word out. So a piece of this also includes a mobile unit, right? Correct. So our, yep, our, our initial plan uh, and mobile unit is... It, can be kind of a, a misnomer. It's not actually a, a vehicle that necessarily that's running around this this crisis mobile ambulance. Right. Um, our initial phases of this grant will be one program coordinator who will be dedicated 40 hours a week mm-hmm. to managing and working with the opioid crisis uh, program that we have. Mm-hmm. So this individual is going to oversee all of our uh, interactions with mm-hmm. our 911 calls. Uh, anybody that our 911 crews. Uh, respond to, revive, and uh, place for transition, this group will be able to kind of, or this program manager will be able to navigate them with our community services. Mm -hmm. Uh, This person, this in-program coordinator, will be directly tied to Riverbend, tied Mm -hmm. to Concord Hospital as part of that capital area healthcare team on on our uh, substance abuse coalition team. Be that direct member. They will be the one that will be out doing the education in the public, coordinating Mm -hmm. with the families, uh, almost doing a term that's out there popular in medicine right now is kind of a nurse navigator or healthcare mm-hmm. navigator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what this role is going to be. It's going to be our version of that navigator, the opioid crisis navigator, to link these individuals that we're seeing to the services. Yeah, so that's great. So it's yep. really that link that's kind of... Yep you've been working on, but now it gives that good, robust opportunity to have it. It is. And one of the things that came out early in this a few years ago, and everybody jumped on the term with safe station, and that was Mm -hmm. the big buzzword running around. And Manchester has very successfully pulled off their safe station program. Nashua has done a very good safe station program. Uh, We were challenged here in Concord to say, why isn't Concord doing a safe station program? 
One of the areas we really struggled with were the community partners of where to refer somebody. Right. Once they came into a firehouse, where would we refer them out to? Mm-hmm. Uh, there were not a lot of resources in the area. This grant has dramatically changed that. The other factor of why that st- the typical safe station model doesn't work for us here in Concord, uh, 64 square miles, large geographical area, four mm-hmm. fire stations running 9,000 emergency medical calls a year or, right. or fire responses mm-hmm. a year. It is very likely that when you ring the doorbell on a firehouse, nobody's there. Right, because you're uh, out on a call. We're out on calls. Yep. So to kind of build a model where we invite people to come to a firehouse to maybe mm-hmm. not have somebody there to answer that call when they're most vulnerable and needing that help mm-hmm. didn't seem like the best method to us. What this grant allows us to do is put somebody on the road, mobile, mm-hmm. that can go to the site, can go mm-hmm. to the individual. Now, this certainly doesn't preclude anybody from walking into a firehouse. We still welcome that, and we can tie them in with our services. Mm-hmm. But the mobile team is going to allow us to put first responders out into the community where they're most vulnerable, where they're most likely to, to interact with our crews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's great. It's, I think it's uh, really exciting, like you said, too, that it's kind of statewide, and then we can implement it um, even more so here in Concord. So it's really good for the community. Um, so kind of on the heels of this, um, you talked a little bit about how we implemented, and could you talk a little bit about um, the training that yeah. the fire department um, will kind of receive, and then maybe some then we can go into maybe some ways that other people could get involved too. Yep. Uh, we have a couple of programs in teamed up with, because the grant is coming from the Bureau of EMS mm-hmm. through the state of New Hampshire. They've developed a couple of those early on programs for first responder training in substance abuse and recovery. Um, we're gonna, we'll start with our program manager and a, a handful of our internal providers that we can put through that. So a, a joint uh, mix between police and fire Mm-hmm. to attend this training sponsored by the state. Uh, as well, we've got a number of internal programs that we're rolling out and internal education programs that we'll be delivering on how to kind of mental health uh, screening, substance abuse screening, uh, behavioral screening, all of those mm-hmm. trainings that kind of tie in together to what we see with these patients. That'll be our initial form of training okay. to our first responders. I know we've been doing a lot um, internally too in Concord, just you know, mental health training. Yep. So it, it's recognizing how to help someone if you encounter, you know, the people that are kind of on the front lines of the public. Absolutely. So that's really important too. And maybe could you talk a little bit about, um, say you are out in the community and you encounter someone, um, you know, if it's an emergency situation, we want people to call 911. But maybe Absolutely. beyond that, if it's yep. not at a direct emergency, what can they do? Yep. Yeah, so certainly anybody in the community, if you were to encounter somebody who was in the middle of a medical emergency or immediate crisis from some type of an overdose, absolutely 911 so that we can get our emergency crews there to do a medical assessment and treat any life-threatening emergencies. Outside of that, uh, opening that conversation with somebody and uh, who may have a substance or behavioral health emergency, just opening that conversation, kind of breaking down that stigma, getting them. Uh, everybody is very different on when they're willing to talk about something. Mm-hmm. And that vulnerability point is so different from person to person. Uh, you never know. It may just be that simple conversation that sparks something that gets that person open and willing to talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, through the new state's hub and spoke program, uh, that that doorway really to get into that service, no matter where you're at in the state, uh, is two one one. 
Okay, Dialing so 211 is what we want people to call. That is the new pathway to kind of get you in, or the doorway, as they call it, to get you into the hub-and-spoke program. They can connect you with any state resource anywhere in the state at any time and get you at least connected to those programs. Okay, yeah, so that that's great to have, too. Um, could you talk a little bit about timing on this? Because I know um, City Council just approved it this past months meeting um so what do you kind of see as the timeline for implementation yep our next step now that we have a completed application with all the requirements that we need at the city level uh, it will move on to the governor and council for final approval Uh, we have a deadline to get that into them in early february hopefully Mm -hmm. to make their february governor and council meeting Mm -hmm. Uh, once that's voted on funds should be available back to us immediately okay Uh, we're looking at kind of a a boots on the ground so to speak deployment for early march okay yeah so that's that's pretty soon very quick yep Um, and we've done a lot of background work uh, even ahead of this so all of our community partners we have a group that meets regularly in in the capital area all of mm -hmm. our anybody who is tied to substance disorder behavioral health we meet monthly we have quarterly report we we meet uh, as a group so a lot of this uh, a lot of our contacts are already there it'll Mm -hmm. just kind of be flipping the switch with an actual program coordinator who has the vehicle to get out there and make this happen Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you've really done a lot of work behind the scenes, and this is kind of just the the vehicle, so to speak, to, to get, get you there. to Absolutely. the next step, which is great. Um, so could you talk a little bit about your vision for how the grant might affect the community over the next couple of years? I mean, obviously, we want to reduce you yep. know, um, the calls and, you know, the number of overdoses and those type of things. But Absolutely. So the number one goal of this program is to reduce the opioid-related deaths in the state of New Hampshire. That's kind of our statewide overriding goal to mm-hmm. get that number of opioid-related deaths down. Uh, the next step is to get those number of at-risk individuals into programs that are putting them onto the road to recovery. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. we said that's the hardest part. We have a number of people that we see time and time again coming through the system Uh, And they all want to get into treatment. They all Mm -hmm. want to get in to help. It's just making that actually happen and catching them at the point when it is just right for them. There is no Mm -hmm. magic uh, formula that we can say after a third overdose, somebody will be ready to get into treatment. For some, it's the first overdose. For some, it's the 50th overdose. And Mm -hmm. for some, it just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. Uh, So increasing the number of individuals that we can get, the more you can impact people at the time uh, of during a crisis, before a crisis, after a crisis, just the more somebody realizes there are people that want to help me, there are services available, there are recovery options available. Mm-hmm. We want to blast people so that when they hit that point of vulnerability, we're there to take them in. Mm-hmm. So it's really a big piece of this is really the conversation around it too. And just Absolutely. having people know that there are resources out there. There are resources so. out there. And that was one of our challenges before is mm-hmm. we wanted them to go. We wanted to get them there. And then when they would say, okay, I'm ready to go, mm-hmm. we maybe didn't have the resources to help them. And by the time we were able to get them connected with services, that window of time for them to seek help had passed. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So what if you're a member of the community listening to this and you are saying, you know, is there a way for me to get involved at all? Are there opportunities that you know of? There are. So uh, two things. Uh, Again, if you kind of what we talked on previous, if you know somebody who is struggling, just open the conversation and start that dialogue. Mm -hmm. There's been, unfortunately, a large stigma around mental health issues, around substance Mm -hmm. abuse issues uh, that were kind of better left for, for not having the conversation. 
opening that conversation and at least just saying, hey, I've heard of a program in Concord that maybe could benefit you or somebody you know, and directing them to reach out and ask for help. That's kind of the key, just starting that dialogue and saying it's okay to reach out for help, and there are people who will get you the right resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, there are a number of our community agencies, nonprofits, uh, that are always in need of volunteer help, they're always in need of funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, reaching out to any of those agencies and offering up any support is always needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great too. And just to kind of check in with you, has the either the Concord Police Department or you at the Fire Department seen any reductions yet in the numbers, or are we still kind of was last year kind of still the same? It is. We're still uh, a slight decrease in our opioid use, um, okay. but unfortunately, we start to see increases in other substance abuse. So maybe mm-hmm. not specifically around opioids or heroin, mm-hmm. but we see other substance abuse categories on the increase. Um, we're really kind of staying where we're at, which is why we're staying third in the nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing to note, we, we ran into the same scenario with our behavioral health emergencies about five years ago. We were really struggling. Our numbers were really on the rise. We partnered with Riverbend, and part of their uh, model was to deploy that mobile crisis unit for people suffering behavioral and uh, medical or behavioral emergencies. This year, for the first time, we've seen a decrease in the number of emergency calls that we're going out for related to behavioral health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we look back, we can directly link it to that mobile crisis team, redirecting people from calling 911, from visiting the ER, and getting right to the point of treatment and care that they need in the first place mm-hmm. is reducing the number of emergencies that we're seeing. Our goal is to see the same trend happen with mm-hmm. opioids over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hope we can have you back and you can say <laughs> be very nice. there has been a significant decrease, you know, yep. because of all this. So that's um, some of this is a little bit uh, of a downer, but I think there's yep. a lot of good and a lot of good work going on with this grant and stuff. We so, and we're following the model that we've seen in other states that have been mm-hmm. very successful. And that's good news, too. Definitely. So uh, just to kind of wrap up a little bit, we just want to remind people um, the 211 is is the number they yep. can get information. Yep, and that number is twenty four seven. Somebody will okay. be there to direct them. And we'll look forward to kind of once you get this in place, um, you know, updates from the fire department and the police department Absolutely. about how everything is going. So, is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, we this? certainly uh, appreciate the community support. Mm-hmm. Uh, su- appreciate the city support on moving this program forward. The, our mobile team, as we kind of call it, really is kind of the first in the state mm-hmm. uh, as a pilot for us in the area, and we're hoping that it's a program that is uh, very successful and that other communities around us can model mm-hmm. after. And I would like to point out, I know you've personally done a lot of work on this, so thank you for all that you've done as well Got on behalf of the Great team behind me. So. Yep. All right, well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all this information, and um, we'd love to check back in with you after you've had some more time to kind of continue this work and let us know how everything is going and we hope you'll have really really good news to share with all of us so we'll look forward to that um just to remind everybody about some ways to keep in touch our podcast is on soundcloud and itunes you can sign up for notify me alerts at conquerednh.gov we are also just um we just launched a new blog at cityofconcordnhblog.com. So that's another place we can share kind of some of the information about the great work that you're doing. And we want to encourage everyone to follow the City of Concord, the Concord Fire Department, Concord Police Department on social media to keep in touch um, that way too, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And check back in next month for another episode of Talk Concord. Thanks. Thank you.